We take a closer look inside the ACC with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. Did you think of the halfway point of the season, the two teams leading the conference would be NC State and Miami? Ah, I did not, but uh, but I, it shouldn't be that surprising. These are two teams uh, in the Wolfpack and the Hurricanes that I think they both had high expectations within the program. Um, for Miami, it's certainly the the biggest thing that you look on the on the schedule and you see, hey, you know what? Uh, they they got past Florida State and they beat Jimbo Fisher for the first time in this, that rivalry. For NC State, you were able to not only go on the road and beat Florida State, but then be able to avoid uh, that snapback that has often plagued the Wolfpack, which is to follow up, you know, a really big upset win uh, with, with an unexpected loss. And by yeah, being able to continue on this run right now, they've really set themselves up to uh, to have everything in their hands for the Atlantic Division moving forward. So I, I can say that I, I did not expect it, but I am not surprised. NC State is looking great now in its bye week. Is their success a product of experience and building this program? Certainly. Uh, this is a group that two or three years ago was among the most inexperienced in all of college football. You look out on the field, you see true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, uh, true sophomores. I mean, and this has been, you know, you think about the, the names that have gone from being uh, young and talented to household names that are flirting with All-American, All-ACC, and NFL draft-type status. You know, names like Jalen Samuels, Naheem Hines, Bradley Chubb. Um, you, then you've had other players that have stepped up, certainly Ryan Finley coming over as a transfer from Boise State. Kelvin Harmon has become an incredible threat at wide receiver. Uh, this, this is a group that has been building to this moment. And, you know, the reality of college football and the reality of program building is that, you know, sometimes you get, uh, particularly with a coach who's been there a couple of years, you get these moments. But then Bradley Chubb is going to be off to the NFL. And, you know, Jalen Samuels, uh, it, his eligibility will expire. So, the big question now, they've been able to build for a couple years to this season, to this moment, uh, you know, when they return from the bye, are they going to be laser-focused and ready to take on what's going to be an incredibly challenging back half of the season? Talking with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com, and you can always catch his podcast on the 24-7 Sports <laughs> College Football Podcast and follow him on Twitter as well at Chip underscore Patterson. Mark Rick said there's something special going on here at Miami right now. Where does that belief come from, do you think? I think from the overcoming adversity within these games, I mean, Miami's not pounding opponents. They're not uh, beating any, you know, they're not just running through anybody. Uh, but the fact that they are able to come together in, in tough games and be able to gut out wins, I think that that builds a lot of confidence. And I think that builds a lot of confidence in, in your teammate, in yourselves, within, within this group. And so I, I, I think that their performance, and, and Mark Richter even said, he said, you know, we are a very solid football team. And, you know, that it's not that he's uh, downgrading or talking down to his players. I think that that's a very apt and wise analysis of this t group that is banged up. You know, they've got injuries. You're losing Mark Walton. You've got injuries in the defensive backfield. But at the same time, they are talented and they are out here undefeated. So I, I looked at the Georgia Tech game, for example, 63 out of the previous 71 times that a Paul Johnson Georgia Tech team carried the lead into the start of the fourth quarter, the Yellow Jackets won. And now 
it's 63 and nine because that 72nd time Miami was able to rally back and be able to win that game. So, you know, moments like that is what makes you think that something really special is happening in Coral Gables. And was there a better story of a player last week than Daryl Langham who had four receptions coming in and then five, including one that led to the game winning field goal? I mean, he's, he's a player and he's the thing that's big about him. I was uh, listening to Malik Rozier talk during the week, his, Langham's body just is perfect for those those late drives because he's good on comeback routes. He's in rhythm with Rozier right now, and so he's able to keep a defender on his back and come up with a big grab. I mean, just a tremendous performance all around. Talking with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson and also catch his podcast, the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. You know, last year Clemson had a similar occurrence uh, and ultimately won a national championship, and now – they have a quarterback coming off a concussion. Who is the person that stabilizes this team for the back end of this run? Who? It's got to be one of the running backs. Um, they they miss Wayne Gallman right now, um, and I don't know whether that's going to be Fuller. I don't know whether that's going to be um, you know, Travis Etienne, um, Feaster. They're, they've they've got a lot of bodies, and uh, and I'm not quite sure what the rotation looks like right now, but. Uh, when they get into these tight games where they need first downs and when their quarterback is a little bit limited, they, they need to be able to run the ball between the tackles. So if they're going to get any kind of stability, I think that's where it's got to come from. Syracuse has been up and down during Dino Babers two years. They've had some big wins. Do they make him stay or is this a stepping stone for him right now? I don't know. Um, I can say that I do think that the Clemson win was not, uh, you know, a one-off upset giant killer. I think this is all part of the process that, uh, Coach Babers has preached about since coming to Syracuse. You know, he he has a very clear vision for what the, this program can be. You know, it is a relentless defense. It's a no huddle offense. It's packing the Carrier Dome. It's being a threat to pretty much everybody in the ACC. He said that the light bulb for a program in his experience often goes off about the middle of the second season. And here we are in the middle of the second season, and they're taking down Clemson. And that was you know after hanging with NC State going into Baton Rouge and hanging with LSU. I, I, I tend to think uh, that the vision that we are seeing right now is a Syracuse program that is really turning the corner and on the verge of something special. What do you, what's the gauge on Virginia Tech right now? Off to a terrific start, but the back half includes you know, on the road at Miami and Georgia Tech in back-to-back weeks. Is this team built to last here? And, and, and I don't mean it's, it's, it's falling apart, but how will they be able to weather the storm in the next month? I think they'll be fine. I think that uh, Justin Fuente learned a lot about this team last year. I think that uh, the path that they took to get back to the ACC championship game, uh, then to get back to 10 wins with the victory of Arkansas in the bowl game, I, I think that Justin Fuente in just one season was able to really uh, establish an identity. And a lot of that is, you know, the partnership with Bud Foster. So built, built to last the rest of the season, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've got Josh Jackson, who only you would think is going to continue to improve with more experience. Um, you know, the defense has been solid all year, and they don't have any any major red flags right now. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. You're absolutely right. But I, I tend to think that right now uh, the Hokies are in a really nice position. We take a closer look inside the Pac-12 with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. Had an Arizona State, which allowed 30 points or more in the previous 11 games, hold uh, Washington State to just seven? A Washington great defensive, yeah, great defensive performance. Um, you know, a, a game where I think that they switched their game plan a little bit. So often 
We think about Arizona State and Todd Graham coached defenses attacking, you know, exotic blitzes, bringing a lot of pressure. And against Washington, they didn't. They sat back. They were patient. They used their athleticism to sort of read and react instead of allowing, uh, you know, selling out and leaving yourself vulnerable to big plays. You, you provide some bracket coverage for Dante Pettis. You stop the run against Miles Gaskin. And, you know, all of a sudden you make Jake Browning beat you, and Jake Browning wasn't able to, uh, to step up and make the kind of connections. I think that, you know, they, they missed John Ross. Uh, you know, there were a couple other pieces where it was easy to look at that game, the way it was unfolding, uh, trying to look back to the 2016 Huskies. But really, uh, a lot of credit to Arizona State for switching up their game plan and f- figuring out a way to come out with a hard-fought, low-scoring win. Does Todd Graham get a reprieve now? I think so. I, I don't think that Todd Graham's in any kind of uh, hot water. But I'm, so I'm, I'm sort of looking at Arizona State as a program that is a little bit stable right now. I mean, they they were they ventured at the at their best to the top of the Pac-12 South and. You know, even at their worst, they're still a team that has been uh, has been able to beat pretty much anybody in the conference. And so, I I would say that uh, Todd Graham seems fine, and I would say that Arizona State's actually in a pretty stable position. Speaking of stable, has USC stabilized with its win over Utah last week? Was that a turning point? I don't think so. They're still so banged up, and then Josh Fatto gets into the car accident. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, yeah. So when USC plays Notre Dame today. I think that they are going to show up with a lot of fight. I think they're going to show up with a lot of pride, and I think they're going to play well. But, you know, so many injuries at key positions. Um, you know, third and fourth stringers at the beginning of the season and in training camp are going to be out there on the field. Kenny Bigelow, you know, ends his career. Uh, Rasheen Green's a little banged up with an ankle. Like, this is, this is a, an injury list that is growing uh, seemingly by the week. And, uh, and for that reason, it's tough to, to point at anything as a turning point. I think that they're just hanging on for dear life right now. Remember, USC, their bye week comes November 25th. There are no breaks for the Trojans, so they are just doing all they can. I think that close wins are good, but they are just holding on for dear life, uh, trying each week to figure out a way to keep playoff hopes alive. Yeah, it's amazing how brutal that schedule is. There's no question about it. As we talk with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com and the host of the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, and always follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Does Utah struggle to gain respect? I mean, this is a team that's always tough to play. Their quarterback who started last week, who was the backup, won nine games last year. I mean, this is a team that's always balanced. Kyle Whittingham is in his bowl history is 10 and one. They, I think that they're respected. I think that Utah is uh, looked at as one of the toughest outs in the Pac-12. They just don't have some of the flash and pizzazz. And I think that's perfectly fine. You've, you've got to ha- I would take, uh, I would take the consistent program that doesn't necessarily have the glitz and glamor of, the LA schools or the, you know, the Oregon offense or uniform fashion show. I, I would take the good defense, good special teams, uh, strong execution on the margins. I, I would take that in the nine win consistency every year. I mean, it's, it's not particularly sexy, but you know what it is? It's, it's one of the top 25 most successful programs over the last five or six years. Without question. As we talk with Chip Patterson of CBS as we take a closer look inside the pac 12, 
you know, Washington State was looking rosy until a week ago with a, a tough schedule ahead. Do you think they can hang in there? I mean, that final month with Stanford, Utah, and Washington all in consecutive weeks to end the season. And, of course, going to a very hot Arizona team next week. Yeah, I think Washington State probably finishes about 9-3 and three or 8-4. and four. Um, You know, they, they had that undefeated record and they had that top 10 ranking but uh but i i just hadn't seen enough from washington state i mean they they had that uh wild game with boise state earlier this year and when everything clicks you know the cougar as they've shown the cougars can beat anybody if they force turnovers they do a good job with their defensive front luke fault gets in rhythm you know they're incredible but um i i think that that kind of performance one where they just start turning the ball over and Luke Falk gets sacked almost every time he drops back. I think that was destined to happen at some point. You know, Alex Grinch has uh, made his impact pretty pretty clear on that Cougars D. Is he going to be, if not already, a hot name on the coaching carousel shortly? He's he's definitely one to rock. I mean, think about uh, where now the Cal head coach, Justin Wilcox. You can spend a long time being a hot defensive coordinator but it, more often than not, when that defensive coordinator finally gets a chance to be a head coach, uh, the results have been pretty good. So I, I don't know if Alex Grinch is going to be uh, a name to watch in this cycle, but in the three years since he arrived at Washington State, the defense has improved every single year, and I think that that's something that people are going to take note of uh, as, pe- as his career continues to move on. Speaking of Wilcox, uh, the next test for the Cal Bears, who are 4-3 and three already, winning more games than anybody had predicted for them all year long. But the next test is Khalil Tate and the surging Arizona Wildcats. Uh, how, how did they come through that test tonight? I, I, I could be totally wrong on this one, Rich, but I've got a hunch um, that Cal's going to do a good job. Khalil Tate, backup quarterback, you come on out, you surprise everybody, you get a couple games. And often the way we've seen this play out is that once you get a couple games of tape for opposing defensive coordinators, uh, you start to be able to have a counterpunch. And given Cal and the you know defensive game plans that they've put in place for all their opponents this year, Tim DeRoyter, of course, the uh, defensive coordinator there under Justin Wilcox, I, I think that they'll have something. And Khalil Tate might have a couple long touchdown runs, and he'll certainly get uh, his chance to gobble up a lot of yards, but I don't think it will be as dominant or an unstoppable performance as we've seen earlier. Well, back-to-back wins for Arizona, and they have been sparked by Tate. Is there anything about the Wildcats that makes you think that, uh, you know, that Tate doesn't have to be the guy, but just, uh, you know, a guy that puts them over the top, just just the guy that makes the difference? Yeah, I think he's got to be the guy. And even if the guy is not him getting the yards, it's just him running the offense. Because the offense needs rhythm, and the rhythm is going to be all based on the demeanor at the play of the quarterback. So he's got to be the guy. Even if he's handing the ball off, even if he's making the right reads and throwing it to the outside to a wide receiver, uh, it's, it's got to be Tate. We take a closer look inside the SEC with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. You can always catch his podcast, the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, and you can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Chip, you know, last week Auburn once again comes up short and the play calling comes into question. You know, are are you in line with the critics on, on that as we've seen this before, you know, most notably against Clemson? Yeah. I am. I was very disappointed. I, I thought that uh, maybe uh, maybe it was a sign of having a little bit too much confidence, you know, in Gus Malzahn thinking that, uh, you know, they were going to be able to win that game um, without 
really needing to without needing to to keep keep down on the gas pedal. And even when they did take shots, I mean, it was like either very conservative or uh, it was trying to bite off too much. I, I was very very disappointed with uh, the way that the second half unfolded for Auburn. Um, you know, and again, my hunch is. It was just confidence that Auburn was going to be able to get out of there with a win, uh, you know, right there without having to score any more points. And uh, unfortunately, when you can't get the first downs and you keep putting the ball in the opposing offense's hands, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. uh, They're going to have a chance to be able to get some points. Auburn's been a good team the last couple of years. Not great. There's always seemingly something holding them back for whatever reason. But did that loss last week put Gus Malzahn on the hot seat? Not the hot seat, but he's in a he's in a tricky situation in terms of uh, his fan base. See, the problem with the SEC in general is they they roast a coach one week and then he's the coach of the year the next week. The variance between um, love him and let's get him out of here is all over the place, especially at a place where the fans are as rabid as they are at Auburn. Because, I mean, I I don't think he's on the hot seat. Are fans upset? Yes, but they will turn right around if he's able to beat Georgia at home. And if Auburn's able to stand tall or even win against Alabama, then this game against LSU uh, will be a long forgotten memory. So I, I think the LSU loss is a shock to the system for an Auburn team that we were starting to feel really good about. And now it'll be interesting to see how they respond, starting with the Arkansas game. Well, another place where it's either Hall of Fame or bum is LSU. What should we make about uh, the Tigers? Because, uh, you know, it's certainly not like Ed Orgeron hasn't rallied the troops before. So, uh, you know, is this uh, is this little uh, stretch of back-to-back wins for real? They're getting healthy. And I think the health was a big part of this. You know, they're getting healthier on the offensive and defensive line. And then going into this week, Darius Geis, practicing for a full week for the first time. So I, I tend to think that some of it might be uh, personnel-related. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get a couple of SEC wins under your belt, you get a little bit of rhythm, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the look of a team that had you know, quit on itself a little bit against Mississippi State and Troy, that, that doesn't seem to be uh, the LSU team we're dealing with. So I, I, I think that there's a little something to this, but, um, you know, everything – Everything could change pretty quickly uh, this week, or then obviously with uh, the Alabama game coming up. With the, all the upsets so far that we've had, not only in the SEC, but in all of college football, especially the last couple of weeks, how much more impressive does that make Alabama's run look? Or just, you know, Alabama's run over the last five years, mm-hmm. seven years. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they, Nick Saban talked about it this week in, in uh, his press conference. He said, you know, it, it, the human condition is just to survive. The human condition is not to be excellent every single moment of every single day. And the Alabama expectation is for excellence every single game of every single season. It is not the human condition. It is something special. It is something that is unique. Um, you know, we only finish most college football seasons. We get like maybe zero undefeated teams, sometimes one and maybe two and you know, oftentimes that second one is a group of five team from the American Athletic Conference or Mountain West. But, you know, the the teams, whether whether it's undefeated or just one loss, the, the fact that Alabama always seems to be in that group is, uh, is truly impressive. And, of course, uh, the game on CBS today, Alabama-Tennessee. Butch Jones seemingly was building and building, and the Vols just never got over the top. Why do you, do you think that is? 
It's it, it's going to be a longer it, the the inability to get it done when they had the best personnel in the SEC East, which is not right now, but you know those back to back nine win season top twenty five finishes had each of those years had about two to three games that were bad losses, and those bad losses prevented Tennessee from even playing for the SEC championship, and so it, it's these. You know, that's where it does for fans come back to Butch Jones because the recruiting has been there. Uh, they've invested in the facilities. The player development appears to have been there, but it's the in-game decision-making that really has a lot of people scratching their heads. Kentucky and Mississippi State today, uh, the Bulldogs at 4-2, and two, the Wildcats at 5-1. and one. For which team is this game more important with both having good seasons? It could be bigger. A win for Kentucky would be bigger. And Kentucky's a double-digit underdog in this game. You know, only one conference loss so far, but uh, a lot of tough conference games left to play. I I think that Kentucky, if its run defense shows up, they could have a chance to really do something. But with the Cowbells, um, with finally getting, uh, you know, a couple games out, out of the – you know, the, the shock and the surprise and the love that came with beating LSU. I think that for Nick Fitzgerald, um, this this is a big moment. So it could be bigger for Kentucky in terms of uh, setting up the Wildcats to challenge Georgia in the SEC East. But I think that it is going to be a bigger statement for Mississippi State uh, to be able to try and win handily, win as they are expected, uh, and get back into a rhythm heading into the back half of the season. You know, it's been a down year for the SEC, but, you know, do they? Do, does this conference have the two best teams in the country in Alabama and Georgia? It's got two of the four best teams in the country, I can tell you that. <laughs> as, as we are sitting here uh, on October 21st, 10 days away from the release of the first college football playoff rankings, uh, I think that Alabama and Georgia have a chance to be in the first rankings, and I think that they've got a good chance to be in the final ones as well. 